If you or anyone you know is looking for a job, now is one of the best times in recent history for job seekers. Seems like every business has we're hiring signs in their windows. We're talking about hiring and retaining employees in a workforce drought on this episode of Range of Influence. Welcome back, everyone, to Range of Influence, or ROI, brought to you by Premier Networks. I'm Russell Hodney, President and CEO of the Columbia County Chamber of Commerce, and sitting shotgun with me today in the studio is Reagan Williams, past chair of the chamber and senior vice president of Maybaum Real Estate. Hey, Reagan. You want to introduce today's guest? Hey, Russ. Thanks. It'd be my pleasure. Today, we're talking to Robert Kelly, vice president of Augusta Staffing. He's been a great supporter of the chamber, a board member for many years, but more importantly, he is an ex expert on workforce and staffing, and I think we're going to have a great conversation with him today. He's a wealth of information. He's the perfect person for today's conversation, and we're happy to have him. And on a side note, Russ, Augusta Staffing was named the Small Business of the Year at this year's annual banquet. Sure were. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to this conversation, Reagan, and we're going to get right to that conversation uh, with Robert after this message from our presenting sponsor, Premier Networks. Premier Networks is the premier information technology and cybersecurity firm in the CSRA. You have enough to worry about for your business. Leave it to the Augusta IT guys to ensure your IT is done right. No ironclad contracts, no fine print, just fast, reliable technology from an experienced customer-centric team, locally owned. Call for a free cyber assessment because in 2021, IT has to be right. Premier Networks, the official IT partner of the Augusta Green Jackets. Hey, Robert. Welcome to the studio. Hello, Russ. How are things? Everything's great. Good. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for being here. And uh, we'll just kind of get right into some things. You know, right now, everybody talks about the real estate market as a seller's market, uh, kind of going into Reagan's yeah, world absolutely. right now. Uh, in terms of the workforce, we're kind of in a employee's market, if you will, really. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, the state of the workforce right now? Sure. I mean, just like the real estate industry, um, I mean, it ebbs and flows. It has reckonings and, and corrections that, that are naturally going to come, just like the stock market. Uh, you know, inventory for real estate is definitely low in your area, in our area. Um, so are employees <laughs> everywhere, though. Um, but, yeah, it is definitely an employee's market. Um, I tell my clients that things are changing by the hour. Uh, I have had people that go on interviews in the morning. Uh, and they're getting offers in the afternoon. Uh, so it's happening. Yeah, as, basically, you have to go at that breakneck speed of decision-making. Usually I say, and people can, can attest to this, I usually say slow to hire, quick to fire. But uh, you've got to almost be quick to, to hire, quick to fire, <laughs> to, you know, to get the best talent when they're available. Because if someone's looking, it's not going to be for long. If it's a good house, it's not going to be on the market for long. Someone's not even going to look at that person, and then they're going to offer, hey, Listen, I love your skills and experience. I really enjoyed our phone interview. When can you start? They don't even have to meet them in person to get that vibe. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely employee's market. But th these things change, um, like real estate. Soon it will be a buyer's market at one point in the future. Um, and, it, you know, and it will be the employer's market eventually again. But I don't know when that's going to happen. Uh, just because of the factors that have come among us since COVID 
you know? And um, yeah, so yeah, it's definitely an employee's market. Well, it's going to be tough for employers right now mm -hmm. because they've got to be so quick to hire somebody, so quick to make a decision. They don't necessarily get all the time that they need to vet somebody, right. especially if it's a you know, significant position that they're trying to hire for. That so, is true. Uh, are employers finding it um, that they're having to hire people so quickly and then decide if they're going to be a good fit? Yeah, and yeah. then uh, probationary periods, are those becoming more common? I mean, Yes, yeah, the probationary periods are still in place, but there's also grace periods that have been put in, put in place. Uh, as far as even the screening part, you know, like the screening part could take two weeks for certain companies, depending on what, what kind of position, if it needs to be a credit check, background check, drug screen, you know, it could take up to a couple weeks for that if you had to. But um, a lot of companies are starting people uh, with the bare minimum of screening being done uh, just to move fast enough to where they don't lose that person. Now, you know, for the higher caliber positions, like what you're talking about, um, would you mention Reagan? Um, I think that most of those are going to be passive job seekers. So they're, they're going to be the ones where you're going to have time for them to give a notice and work out all that kind of stuff. So uh, it's really the, the you know, non-management, non-critical positions uh, that you're looking to fill. Well, if we talk about an employee's market, meaning yeah. the, the employee in this arrangement has the power. I mean, they, the power. They, there are more jobs to be filled than people, so they have their pick. They can choose what they want to do, where they want to go, how much they want to make. Uh, you know, in that negotiation or, or, or maybe in the interview room, how much power does the employee or the prospect have today? What does that look like as opposed to maybe uh, a few months or a year ago? Yeah, you know how, you know, when, when employers interview somebody and they say, well, you know, we've got some other candidates to look at. <laughs> I think the right. employee is in the interview room now. Well, I've got another offer on the table, and they're giving me until 3 o'clock today. So if you're going to make an offer, you need to go ahead and do it. So they still they can they have a lot of power in controlling the timeline uh if you're interested in that candidate but still you've got to take time to to make the right decision even if you're only looking at three or four people you've got to take time to as a company as a as a manager as a hiring person you know you need to take the time to make the right decision i find it fascinating fascinating whenever you've got these um situations where we're used to in, in my industry real estate we're used to you know one party kind of controlling the dynamic mm -hmm. and then when that flips it takes people a while to understand that dynamic has changed the power structure in real estate has changed and, and with the employer and the employee i'm sure it has taken some time for these employers to understand that they don't hold all the chips anymore that in this situation they don't they're not controlling the market anymore these po employees these prospects out there these candidates for these jobs i mean they're the ones kind of calling it calling the cards right now so it's it's interesting to watch those dynamics flip and change and how sometimes a struggle it is for all of us to keep up. Do you, do you find that in your industry, the employees and employers are kind of tr still trying to figure out, you know, who's got the power in the room? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I can agree to that at some point. Um, I, I do feel like the employees are being very picky, demanding. Uh, almost like your sellers right now, right? Right. Uh, you know, they can ask for almost anything they want. So that's what the employee's approach can be too. Uh, so how much vacation is involved? Um, are these, these guys are doing the sign-on bonus. Are you doing that too? They're going to overplay their hand. I mean, yeah, hey, exactly. Look, I'll take yeah. all this and yeah. they might not get offered anything. Right, right. But yeah, um, I think employers have seen that. But uh, And then you, also, you almost have to second-guess yourself, second yourself. If it's too easy and you hold all the cards, is that someone that you still want to hire? <laughs> 
Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I can see that um, in the dynamics of the negotiation availability, I guess, as far as how willing people are, for, are willing to go to, to get someone that they know is good talent into their teams. So a lot of the, the kind of the conversation has been around the unemployment benefits have, have caused part of the underlying you know, root problem of, of what we see today. Those payments have stopped. The federal have. Yeah. The federal have, yeah. So have, what's changed? I mean, has it made an impact? Has Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. And you know, like uh, when, when you have these markets that are so drastic like it is today, like the employee market where they're pretty much demanding a certain rate at this point now to where uh, employers are having to increase their starting pay rates, which causes problems everywhere, by the way. And all the business owners will understand because if they've got Joe Smith, who started last, you know, two years ago, came in at a certain rate. He's been there two years and has tenure a little bit now, and he's only making so much. But this guy starts today making the same amount. That causes issues everywhere. So there's all kinds of battles going on with that. But, um, yeah, so the unemployment, as far as the pandemic unemployment assistance, that stopped for Georgia. But the effects are still here as far as it taught people that, you know, maybe I don't have to work. Like if it's a dual income household, maybe they found out that they can make it without the one, one other's employee employment. Um, and so some people are deciding to stay out. Um, there's, there's other factors in that too, as far as there's some people that I run across and I talk to, yeah, they're applying to my jobs, but they have a genuine fear of going into an office where there's multiple people in the same room. Uh, even if you're doing the, the social distancing at this point and the, you know, <laughs> Half the team's vaccinated. It doesn't matter. They're still scared to death, and they just they just don't want to work. Um, and they're doing everything they can, moving back with mom, uh, moving in with a sister or a brother, you know, doing making whatever it happened until they're comfortable enough to go back to work. And then um, and then there's some that just are milking the rest of the state unemployment until because uh, you know I'm I'm fighting unemployment battles as far as I say battles. That's you know the the business community will enjoy me on that one, but. Um, I'm, I'm still finding unemployment claims that started in March and April of last year. They're just now getting around to the fact, uh, to the point of doing the investigation of finding out, well, did this person really deserve the unemployment? And the ones I've had so far from April and May, they didn't, you know, these people lied and they, and it was just really pencil whipping at the department of labor to the point where, they were just pushing everything through as fast as possible because they also had adjustments they had to deal with. They were all told to go home, work from home. No one was working in the offices, uh, which had never happened to my knowledge before. And so you, what else do you do? You've got millions of people claiming, and you've got to get through them, got to get them processed because, you know, the federal government's looking at you. Hey, we got all this great help coming your way. You know, I think the number today was uh, on the sh- – on, there's, a, there's a place on the Georgia Department of Labor as far as what we have received – and I'm talking 13 billion. I mean, it's it's a lot of money that was passed through the state, and they were just pencil whipping cases. So those are just now coming across, but some people are still receiving the benefit from a decision that was pencil whipped last spring, in 2020. And so um, they're still sitting on unemployment. I wouldn't go to work if if it was me, and I was, you know, a waiter at a restaurant, you know, making, you know, living off tips or whatever. Of course, that's a whole other industry we need to talk about. I mean, restaurants. When they closed all together, you were forced to look for work elsewhere, and they, so they lost they lost a workforce in general 
going to other industries and other positions. You know, that's, so that battle's still going on. But Well, it was, it was difficult for a, a lot of employers to get some of those employees back when they had oh, the, yeah. the pandemic yeah. uh, benefit payments coming out. So you had uh, you know some employees that were making more money mm-hmm. by getting all those payments. And so certainly, why go back, right? I mean, I don't think anybody in this room, if you were making more money on the assistance than having to go to the job in the middle of the pandemic, they would go back. So I understand that. Um, do you think, though, and, and this may be you know more political than you want to get into, but we don't have to talk about the politics, just kind of the underlying factor of that, how that policy impacted your business. But did those payments – Certainly, they helped a lot of people. Of course. Did it? They wouldn't be here today if they right, didn't get them. Did it, did it for some of our employers kind of exacerbate this problem of then trying to get people to come back into the labor force? Uh, from your seat, you know, how did that impact the ability for employers to kind of get folks back? Well, you know, in the beginning of all this, uh, everyone went into survival mode. So, you know, you got rid of who you could. You got rid of everyone that was not essential. And anybody that was essential for you to do your business or have your service, those are the only ones you kept a hold of. And um, when that time came to come back, uh, you know, a lot of people had moved on and, and gone under the things. It also gave people a lot of time to think, you know, while they were doing all those home improvement jobs <laughs> at home, uh, getting the unemployment checks, they also had time to think, is this really what I want to be doing right now? And they said they just made a decision to not come back at all. To that industry or, or to that company and then uh, I've actually had several people where uh, it turned out there was a non-compete in place but the unemployment held them long enough to where the non-compete <laughs> was not even an issue anymore and so now they're working for a competitor of that company <laughs> but uh, yeah so definitely it, it gave people time to think about um, whether or not they wanted to return and they were sitting on cash until they did well one I think positive uh, for the employee in, in particular that's come out of the pandemic uh, and these benefits that were paid out is to get folks to come back to work, employers had to offer some more money. They had to raise their wages. They had to offer some incentives, right? So that's great for employees. certainly hits the bottom line of your employers. Uh, and, and for some, maybe they can't make it at these rates. Uh, but, you know, the workforce has changed. So employers are having to offer increased wages and incentives. Um could you give us a snapshot, maybe of the, the entry-level wage, how that's increased here in our market? Uh, and what are some incentives that employers are starting to offer out there? I mean, you know, there's, I'm sure, lots of different creative ways that people are, are trying to get people back to, to, their, uh, to their business. I've seen um, – everybody has seen the sign-on bonuses. Even restaurants and McDonald's are doing that. Um, after you work a certain amount of hours, number of weeks, they're giving you a flat bonus just for a sign-on. Um, I've also seen uh, people uh, offer uh, benefits earlier. You know, like if you needed insurance earlier, they, they basically just shorten that window. Um, and, I, and I've seen them do it to where, uh, you know, it was a case-by-case. Case. You know, whatever was important to that person, we can be flexible. Well, I've, I've read some of that, right? So, I mean, you've got some, of some big employers who said, you know, the 12-month mark. Yeah, like you have to work here a year, and then you kind of start getting in benefits. Yeah. So a lot of folks said, that just doesn't work anymore. We've got to give them the day you walk in. Right. I mean, big companies are making massive changes. That's true. Yeah, so sign-on bonuses, earlier benefits, paid time off from, from day one. Um, you know, that, those are some of the things I've seen. What about that, that entry-level wage? So, oh, so yeah. Um, from where I sat at the beginning of the pandemic, we were already in, in a structure for a buyout of our restaurant. We sold it 
about, you know, six or seven months into the pandemic. And I know where our starting wages were. And I see some of the wages that are being advertised at some of the other restaurants in town now. And I don't know how some of these folks can can do that. So certainly that floor has risen. We've got Columbia County government has risen their baseline to $15 an hour. We've got Amazon in town at 15, 19, Mm -hmm. in the 20s. So certainly we've probably seen some other places where that's gone. What have you seen happen in our market? Yeah, Uh, it was forced to, it was forced. You know, if you want to play, you had to pay the higher rates. Because I asked, uh, I asked a, a few, it might have been you, Russ, a while back. I was in a group and we were having a conversation about the minimum wage and all that kind of stuff uh, as far as, you know, going to 15. And I said this was just one way for to make it happen was to force people to pay higher rates when there's low workforce available um, nationwide, not just in a certain area, right? Um, all over the country, everybody's experiencing this. But you had to raise your rates to be competitive. Um, I've had – uh, you know, two and three dollars at a time uh, over the course of the last year, uh, where my, my clients that I work with on a daily basis, they've increased the rate two to three dollars just to get people to be interested. And still, even then, once you get them to that rate, there's like, well, what's after that? What's available after that? And then the business owner's thinking, well, God, what else do you need? I, I haven't got anything left. I'm just trying to get you in the door here, buddy. And then, well, that's got to be a struggle. I think for business owners because they've had to raise that entry level wage, but what ha- would have been a probably month, multi month and multi year step up right. to where they're having to start people at now they they have no place for them to go in a lot of ways. So they're already starting them at, at, a, at a at a place where you know there's not much uh, wage elevation for them going forward. Well, and, and I mean I think it, you talked about a, a good point there. At the beginning of the year, we were talking you know, the, out of the, out of the federal government, they were talking, you know, $15 minimum wage bills and trying to include that in some of the pandemic, you know, uh, recovery funding, putting it in that bill. But now all of a sudden you don't hear that conversation anymore. Well, they got what they wanted. Yeah. They got well, it. Market they got forces it in a different pushed way. It there, right? That's exactly and, and right. That's, that's, that's you exactly know, not to get, you know, overly, uh, ideological about kind of what we think about <laughs> the economy. Right. But I mean, that's where I've always been is yeah. like, you know, the market needs to push us there. And that's what it did, right? So we were yeah. at a point in our society and in our market with everything going on. That pushed us there. Yeah. Um, and I think businesses are okay with that because that's what they have to do to compete. We, we want to compete. We want to get employees. So if that's what the market tells us to do, we'll do it. But a lot of businesses would say, I, I don't want some, you know, bureaucrat from Washington, D.C. telling me what I have to pay somebody. I want the market to demand that. And that's what happened, and, and that's and that's are. fine. That's good. It's 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 worked out for a lot of folks. Yeah, and and I do have I do have a, several clients that cannot, you know, they're at a very fixed price for a number of years, and they can't change their contracts until that contract's over. I mean, as far as their prices, but um, you know, he's struggling to find people to take the positions that he is still needing to fill because not only has he lost employees through the pandemic, two companies that are now paying those higher rates to just start, he is he is now having to. Um, find people that are willing to take that lower rate than everyone else in town, even the county to weed, you know, to hit to run a weed eater. Um, he's having to fight with those other companies, and he's not he's stuck in his price until 2024. And what are you supposed to do? So, so we've got other things we've had to become creative as far as the benefits, uh, the paid time off early, um, being flexible with schedules. Something as easy as that will make all the difference for somebody. And it will and it will be the tiebreaker when it comes down to 
a couple dollars difference because he's he's paying a little bit less than fifteen dollars an hour right now. But we've made it now to where we've he's he had to completely restructure his shifts. He had three shifts, twenty four hour operation. It was a uh, logistics related industry, um, and basically he changed his shifts around to where he can have more flexible time for if someone needs to go get their kid from school. He's allowed that. You know, if you want to uh, take the day off, there's a, there's an easier way to get that done. Um, and that has been attractive to some people. But that's what he's doing to survive because he can't do anything for another two years. Wow. So you, we've kind of touched a little bit on the attraction side of things. Yeah. You know, it's it's hard enough to get people in. But you were you kind of touched on it a little bit, too, that now it's like, OK, well, at Company X over here is offering this. Why don't I just go over there? What are some of the things that employers are doing now to also retain? Because like you said, somebody comes in, starts a job at you know now $15 an hour, and you started at 10. Yeah, you're going to be hurt. You know, you're, why, aren't, why don't I have $15 an hour or something? So what, what are employees doing to kind of fix that gap and, and help retain the ones that that, you know, they don't want to lose to their competitors. Yeah. The first thing I, I tell to both job seekers and employers is, is don't be the guy that will jump ship for a, a dollar amount. Um, you want to, you want to find people that are there because of the why, the mission, the cult, you know, the culture of the company. And um, it, that's, that's what you want to base most of your decision on. And also, but most of your sales pitch, when you're in the interview, talking to the candidate, you know, you want to do it on the mission. This is what it's like to work here. This is who you're going to get a chance to work with. Um, we do these on Friday afternoons, you know. Uh, we're going to have Jersey Day next week for football, you know. So, so you want to build that. You want to get the idea of the culture in their head um, and, and also sell the mission of what you're doing. And then also uh, I think that the more ownership you can give to somebody for any type of, you know, if, as long as it's not, you know, repetitive motion like production or whatever, uh, give them some ownership. You know, this is this is your world. You can do things the way you like as long as this result gets done. And people like that. It's very attractive. It'll keep them there and not jump ship for a dollar is to constantly remind them of the mission and the why they're there and how their part, you know, it's almost like that seats on a bus thing, right? You know, how does your role affect the overall mission and how it affects our customers on a daily basis, how it affects the people that they serve on a daily basis, and uh, keeps, the, keeps them engaged. Really, that comes down to engagement. Employee engagement is where, is where the, both the attraction and the retention takes place. Well, Robert, with this really challenging market for our employers, you've, I'm sure, got the inside scoop on what they can and should be doing to make sure that they're competitive. So. Uh, what are the Robert Kelly's tips on recruiting and uh, attracting employees? Okay, so uh, the best tips I can give you is you've got to create pipelines. I mean, that's what recruiters do, and that's what staffing agencies do, is they can create constant pipelines of talent that come from all over uh, in, from different areas of the community, right? Um, so first of all, if you don't have, if you don't have an HR de uh, department, um, I would suggest uh, – getting a nice referral bonus uh, for your existing employees to, to suggest new teammates. Um, uh, so that's really good. Sometimes, uh, you know, if, you, if, if it's a lot, of, sometimes it needs to be like $250, $500. You can do like $250 on day one, and if they make it to day 90, you can get another $250. I've seen a lot of people do that. It's been very successful because it's, it's, it's incentives to, to recruit 
to have all of your members recruiting, right? And then another thing is is just your presence on on the web, you know? So on your website, do you have a careers page? Do you have a video that describes the day in the life at your company, right? So you're selling that culture, like what we talked about. And then, uh, you know, if, if there's a way to show some interest without being a, a specific job posting. Um, and then also networking, you know, kind of like what I do. I, you know, we have opportunities at the chamber. You know, the Workforce and Education Committee gives you a chance to put yourself and your company in front of a high school student. So a high school student that is possibly in a pathway that matches with what your company does, right? So why not start that pipeline that early? If not high school, think about college, right? So every college here in town has a career uh, services department. You can get with them, and they can start you opening a pipeline of talent. Hey, I met a, I got a student I met the other day. It'd be great for your company. This is the kind of pathway they chose in their degree. What do you think? You know, just go ahead and make the introduction. So the, the networking part as, as well. So sometimes my brother and I do uh, content man, uh, content. Um, uh, what we call content recruiting is basically I go and I give a resume class and I give a uh, job search strategy class and that's automatically people in that class are then turned into candidates that I can consider. So what can you do as your company to get your name out there to say, you know, this is this is what we do and, and I want to give you a couple of things on how to do it the best, you know, best practices, right, for you as a consumer or you as a homeowner or you as a business. And then that could, that could be a whole different uh, – avenue for people to find out about your company and want to get to work with you. Um, the website seems to work a lot because let me give you an example of Rectech, right? Uh, Rectech has a huge following. I think all of us are, if not you, Russ, you're almost there. I'm getting there. Okay, so, you're, getting so there. we're all customers, right? We love them, right? So they have a careers page. And so I have a friend of mine that's a, a, a husband to a coworker that loved Rectech so much that he, was, he bought everything. He had like three grills, buys all of their seasonings really loves their, their culture at, at the company, the customer service at the company. And he went to the careers page and, and signed up. And then he, find out, he found out who the manager was for the department that he could do, uh, segue his skills into. And now he's working there. And so it's like, you know, so if you didn't have that careers page, how was he going to make that connection? Uh, so make it very easy for him. But um, those, are, those are some things that you can get started with. Uh, and, of course, all those were – barely any kind of expense at all you know ask for the referrals uh make sure you keep a stack of resumes of people that have applied and even if you said no to them at one time in in the past they could still be a fit for something in the future and you still you, you hold on to that um and then of course work with agencies like myself that's also free until you decide to hire somebody you know there's no cost and there's no risk in that so yeah that's what i would say to start with well i want to talk about something a little more controversial sure Something that might uh, interest our listeners, something that might, uh, uh, you know, be a really interesting conversation. So COVID has been tough for so many of our employers. It's been tough for our communities, for our schools. Um, and we're certainly in a heated debate across our country about, you know, what are the right mitigation efforts? Um, you know, masks in schools in our community has become a, a tentious the, the, debate right so i mean there's lots of things going on about you know how do we mitigate the best employers are from what everything that i read and see in the news facing a lot of pressure to um you know place certain kinds of either restrictions 
or some kinds of mitigation efforts uh, kind of company-wide. And so uh, I, I'm sure that's a big challenge for a lot of the folks that you work with. Uh, you know, that can be simple things like social distancing in the offices or masks in the offices and to, the, to, you know, some things like vaccine mandates, right? Um, so nothing legal-wise here in this conversation, Robert, but, you know, these employers that you work with have, have got to be, you know, some kind of a balancing act into what they believe is the safest way to operate and keep their employees safe, but also to attract people or retain people that may not agree or they might disagree with how they're handling things. This has got to be a really stressful time for a lot of business owners and employers to be operating in. Talk to us about what what we're seeing in the employer community today and also what employees are expecting of these employers to do. What, what are they expecting to, to see when they show up to work? You know, as far as uh, mandates, as far as things like, um, you know, I think everybody put a mask mandate in for a little while. Some of those have been relaxed. Um, some of those have been relaxed to the point where if you're vaccinated and you prove it to me, then you can go about the office without a mask. Um, but I think a lot of uh, the majority of people, I know very few people that mandate it. Uh, the, the, custom, the customers that I work with on a daily basis. Um, most people are making it very easy to go get it. You know, just, hey, if you need to take off, go get your vaccine, just let me know. I'll, it'll be fine. Um, uh, some people are doing incentives to incentivize it. Uh, you know, you've seen that, you know, Walmart is offering $100, $200, I think. Um, that's the largest employer in the country right now. So, um, but, you know, I've, I've seen the, the one time stipend to go get the vaccine but i've also seen a free day off if you go get the vaccine um you know depending on what's more expensive you might want to do one or the other um but i've also i've seen more flexibility rather than policy so if you are an employer that you know says hey guys i, I do recommend that you get it i'm not going to make you do it um and i'm going to be flexible with you in order to make sure that you can go do that are you seeing more incentives the, the extra pay, yep. the day off, those kind of things, as opposed to get it or you lose your job oh, or yeah. what, what Delta has done with the $200 added to your insurance premium. So you're seeing kind of more incentive-based yeah. than punishment-based. Yeah, because you know, if you ask the lawyers, there's, there's, there's things that come along with a mandate and a policy um, that, you know, uh, that you're going to have to deal with, make sure that they have transportation, make sure that you have uh, paid, you know, be able to pay for the vaccine if they don't have insurance. All those kind of things you have to make sure of that if you will mandate it. But um, I've seen more flexibility than than you either get it or you're out. Um, I've seen you know more often I've seen people where well if you don't want to get the vaccine that's fine it's your choice but you're going to be masked up and you're going to you know you know you can't be you free with the mask around us. Well, that's interesting. You know, Russ, as you know, we kind of watch what's happening mm -hmm. in around the country is that we I read and I see so much more about the kind of the punishment-based mandates, mm. right? So, uh, you know, companies that say you're going to get the vaccine or you, you can't work here, and they've had folks that showed up and they yeah, lost their job. Or like I mentioned, Delta. So you see and hear and read about that much more because, I th you know, I think it hits headlines better, right? But yeah, but what we're seeing on the ground is actually just more incentive-based. So yeah. kind of the soft sell uh, and to benefit your employees but not really to punish them. Yeah, because we're already in a tight spot anyway. So if, you, if you're having trouble keeping the people you already have and you're having trouble attracting new talent to your company and your team, why would you make one more barrier in front of that? So that's why I think we're seeing more flexibility with 
as far as, hey, if you want to get it, great. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure you do. But if you don't want to get it, that's okay, too. Just, work, just mask up and, and be safe. Do you think that's going to shift? You think as, as the FDA approves more of the vaccines and people get more comfortable, do you think that that will shift? A lot of people have said that. Uh, it was last Monday when the FDA approved Pfizer, and so they're expecting the other ones to follow suit, except for old poor Johnson & Johnson, probably not. But, um, no, I don't think so. Not for our area. I don't, I don't see that for our area. Well, and I, Robert, I don't. Th- I I think nationwide, I don't. I don't think you are either, because, like you said, there is such a shortage. There's such a demand for employees that it, it's not the market to to really do that. I I think where you'll see it is, like you said, you you Reagan, you brought up Delta with the the two hundred dollar a month, you know, kind of. You can you can draw a line that says, yeah, that makes sense because there's a an a, an a kind of increased risk because they've put themselves in a, a risk category that now they're susceptible to. Um, so, I- is that the answer? You know, I don't know. You had companies saying that they would do. You know, if you're not vaccinated, you'll do a mandatory. You have to get a COVID test every week or h- however often it was. You know, so you're. I think you're seeing different things, but. I think Robert, I think you're right. I think it's more an incentive. It's what can we do to help you? Um, and and I talked to a company recently that was struggling with how they incentivize it, and and I think they're going to go back to this the the standard communication route and try and get a health expert in mm. to talk about you know this is this is the science behind the vaccine and and you know. Some of what you're hearing is false information and some of what you're hearing is accurate, but this is, you know, and, and they're going to go that route. They were talking about incentives, uh, ideas too, to, to supplement that, but, um, and more on the, like you said, the flexibility side of it. It's like, let's make sure that, you know, and, and they were talking about bringing a, a clinic into the, the em- employment place where it makes it easy. They can go in and get their shot if they needed to go home afterwards they could you know but just making it as easy as possible for them um has kind of been i think what i'm hearing the, the most popular choice so it'll be def- definitely interesting to see the human behavior element of this so how do people really respond do they respond to the incentive is it the carrot that's dangling that, that makes them go get it or is it the stick uh and so so how does that you know, work with employers. And I think it's gonna be very interesting over the next, you know, few weeks and months as, uh, you know, we get more full FDA approval and some of these larger companies begin to have what we already know is what they're gonna do. They've announced it. You've got, you know, multiple large cities across the country that have said you can't eat indoors and you can't go to a movie theater and you can't go to a show without, um, you know, a vaccine. So as that kind of, I, I see this as creep, right? So we all, we always know like in real estate and in fashion and in all kinds of stuff, whatever happens in Atlanta, we get it at some point, right? So, I mean, we're going to have that kind of metropolitan creep um, that happens across the country with these kinds of ideas. And I just wonder, you know, how our employers will tolerate that kind of thing because it is such a divisive issue, right? When, when you have half your employers, or half your employees at a company that feel very strongly in one way, and then your employer says, you've got to do this or you can't do this or whatever it is, I mean, you're alienating half of your workforce, and you can't afford to do that in this market. You just can't do it. Not right now. 
before we, Robert, I mean, we could probably talk on some of these topics for hours, quite frankly, and, and we have, uh, you know, a lot of, um, we've got a lot of issues to cover, especially in the workforce, but, you know, wanted to, first of all, take a moment to share with our listeners that Augusta Staffing was uh, named the Small Business of the Year at our annual banquet. Congratulations. Robert, how many awards did you win at the Chamber <laughs> Banquet this year? It was only two. <laughs> well, you know, I think it's... It was uh, a great night, yeah. I think it's worth pointing out, but uh, I think what I really was curious about was what drew you to this career choice? So... I did a, a little stint of a job at Savannah Riverside uh, working in uh, an IT position. Uh, we were do- I was doing data management at, uh, with an Oracle database, and it was for environmental sciences, so like the soil and groundwater samples over at Savannah Riverside. Um, so I, got, you know, I trained someone at Westinghouse uh, how to do my job, and then I was out of a job. So I used my computer skills to go back to Augusta Staffing and say, hey, uh, you guys need new computers, you need new IT stuff going on, uh, because even back then in 2000, it was still relatively new with online, but still the internal was such a, uh, it was in bad shape, because we were using IBM mainframes, if you know what that is, a dummy terminal, dummy, and then there's one brain in the back room that everybody's using, so it was very restrictive. So um, so that's really why I came there at first. Uh, and then once I got done with the IT stuff, I built new computers. That was so fun. Um, built new servers for the, for the company. And then uh, eventually I ran out of things to do on the IT side. And they were like, hey, do you want to try some staffing? I'm like, sure, I can do that. So I jumped in the uh, administrative professional side. So, you, you know, it, it helps place anything from medical to uh, admin to legal to accounting to IT programmers, you name it, anything white collar. Um, that's the kind of where I've where I started and then I'm, I'm still in that side of the business today, but, um, but that's how I got there. <laughs> you know, I went to school to be a music teacher and for a high school music teacher, uh, life changes as it does for most people, uh, that never happened. Um, and then, uh, it just, it just ended up to where I was doing the staffing, but I love it because I'm such a people person, I think. Um, and I love talking to people, and that's what I do all day, as I talk to both sides. I talk to the client that's looking to hire talent, and I'm, th- I'm talking to talent who's looking for their next step, right? And, and Or maybe even just, a, you know, they're unemployed and they're looking to make ends meet and they need something short-term. Um, I love helping connect the two together. It's a win-win-win for everybody. Yeah, but that's how I got there. That's how, it, yeah, a long time ago. Well, Robert, certainly what you and Augusta Staffing do in our community is, is pretty phenomenal, and we're so appreciative of you as a member of this uh, Chamber of Commerce, uh, and all that you do for our organization is pretty impressive. I mean, you uh, board of directors, executive committee, uh, young men on the move, workforce development, um, ch- the Chamber's leadership program, uh, you name it, you've been involved in it. Uh, and uh, so we're so appreciative of you and the influence that you uh, have across this community. You have so many great contacts and you've done, um, you know, so many great things for so many people. And so, you know, we, we thank you and appreciate you for your influence. And, and our podcast, Range of Influence, you know, really seeks to, to talk to people like you who are having an outsized, larger-than-life influence on our community. So we're, we're thankful that you're here today. Um, in, in your staffing job, uh, you have uh, you know a lot of things that you get to be involved in and touch across the community. Uh, if you weren't in staffing, oh. right? So if if you 
uh, could remove yourself from that and just pick anything you want. Right. Like I think Russ would want to be a, a professional hockey player. Love it. If he really? wasn't, it. if he wasn't in this I and mean, that's what he wanted no to do. No wonder you're so for the I, hockey. You know, there, are, yep. there might be certain things that I would want to do. What's something that Robert Kelly, if he stepped out of staffing would say, this is, this, this could be me. All right. So <laughs> I have this saying that I sell the only product that thinks for itself. Uh, and until artificial intelligence gets to the point where it can think for itself, <laughs> I think I can still say that, but, but, I do. I sell a product that is uh, that is able to make its own choices, uh, decide not to go to work. <laughs> so you know the people factor is sometimes it feels like uh, it could, it's a struggle at some at times. And any you know any business is perfect until you have employees. Any church is perfect until you have parishioners, right? <laughs> um, but uh, I think if there if I could do anything, I would make something like a widget. So if I didn't invent it, I would work for someone who did. And I would actually make something where I can control the quality and control the results a lot better than I can people. <laughs> ah, people are tough. Yeah. People, people are, are tough, awesome, man. <laughs> and tough. there's drama mamas everywhere. And, and they, they, you know, and some people are just, you know, and, and we've all employed them. Uh, you know, uh, they're just trouble. And uh, a lot of people are great, though. I mean, most of my success stories, that takes, the, that takes the majority of the people I work with. But if I could do anything, I think I would want to make a widget of some sort and control yeah. the production of that and then the quality of that which is so much easier than people <laughs> oh yeah but then i'd have to control the people that make it right one day one day we'll be at robert keller's woodworking shop or something like that you will right. have settled into creating something with your hands it doesn't talk back exactly it's never, it's never late to work <laughs> that's right uh, all those kind of things yeah well reagan you touched on the influential part and you know we really always kind of like to end on a, a piece about about you, uh, our guest and, you know, outside of your family, tell us maybe what person or what defining moment has really had the biggest influence on your career. Hmm. Well, it's, it's, it's not only just an influence on my career, but it's also an influence on who I married, yeah. uh, an influence on, uh, you know, my personality, my character. Uh, I had a fifth grade teacher. Uh, and this was years ago when we were just talking about having ADD and all that kind of stuff. I have a lot of energy. You know, if anybody's ever sat with me on a committee or, you know, worked with me on projects, you know, I'm pretty outgoing. You know, I bring some energy to the ground. And uh, somebody calls me their hype man at work. So that anytime they're feeling down, they go, I need you to hype me up. Come over here and get <laughs> me excited. It's okay. So, but I think a lot of that has to do with a teacher that realized that I had energy and I just needed an outlet. And it was, her name was Miss McCray. And it's the, uh, she's the, she was the wife of Dr. Browning McRae in North Augusta. And instead of telling my mom to go and get me to a doctor to get me Ridlin, <laughs> she said, get this boy in music or something that he can have an outlet. And so the next year, of course, is middle school. So I decided, and so, so I was almost forced to do music. And, I, and I'm so glad because those few words of influence on my, on my mom and myself it's gotten me to the point where I can focus and channel that energy into things that I love, like the chamber, like the leadership program, uh, like uh, the, the ambassador committee when I was on that. You know, so, and also my job, you know, um, where I can, uh, it's, got, it's brought me out of my shell a little bit, being in music, because, you know, I was a trumpet player. And if anybody's a musician anywhere in the world, trumpet players have a certain personality, and it's a lot like mine. So, um, and so that, that I think was a defining moment in my life because 
um, it, it, it defined me as a person as far as what I was able to, um, to give back to the schools I was going to, to give back to my, um, I mean, give back to my job. I mean, look, I get to go out to the community and talk to people and, and be involved in different projects and, incent and, and uh, initiatives that I wouldn't have if I didn't have that personality trait from her wise words. So, and it's also how I met my wife. You know, she, a friend of ours uh, in the bands that, that I was playing in said, hey, you really need to meet this guy. And so <laughs> that got me to I meet love her that. as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I would think that influenced me a lot. And it, and it, created, it created a lot of moments and opportunity for, to, to define me as a person uh, and, and what to do with all this energy. <laughs> so That's, yeah. Hey, that's awesome. And, it is. And I, I really appreciate you guys. Or, well, I appreciate a, what Augusta staffing is doing here in, in our community. It is a, it's a challenging market out there. Employers need your help because they can't do it on their own. Yeah. And we just thank you. We thank you for your involvement here at the chamber and, and, you know, just God bless you for what you're doing here. So thank you, Robert. So if you're having trouble, I got two steps. One, pray. <laughs> Number two, call me. <laughs> Reagan, it's hard to believe that we find ourselves in such a work shortage, but here we are. Yeah, I don't think anybody would have ever imagined this coming out of the pandemic, but it's interesting to hear what our local businesses are doing to attract new employees and keep their existing ones. Incentives, uh, new hiring packages, wage increases, it's all very interesting. Yeah, employers are getting very creative, and they have to be, so... Hopefully this conversation will be helpful to other businesses out there. Talent recruitment is tough right now. We want to take this opportunity to remind you to subscribe to Range of Influence through your favorite podcast app, and be sure to share our show and rate us whenever you listen. That's right, Reagan. And before we sign off, we need to thank our podcast editor, Kimberly Lahadney, and our presenting sponsor, Premier Networks. Be sure to visit them at AugustaITGuys.com Again, that's AugustaITGuys.com.